Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, it is time for a mini episode. It's many, 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 many episode galore. Well, it's really just one. I mean, a galore indicates or implies that there are, are several I would think this is really just okay. Well, it's, well, it's uh, going to be mini a many, 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 many glorious episode. Okay, so very little amount of glory is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I don't think that's true. Right. Got to watch where you use that word, mini. Damn you, mini. <laughs> now you're disparaging Disney, Phil. What is with you tonight? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, mini. Uh, well, it uh, is. You, a, it you is taking the Mickey there. I. <laughs> oh man. Uh, people who listen to the show must really like like bad puns and dad humor because they sure get a lot of it. Yeah, they keep coming back for it. Yeah, I think that I think it's like a like a like a sadomasochistic thing where it's like like self punishment, but you sort of can't help yourself. Okay, it could be just pity. <laughs> Maybe they go, oh god, well, let's listen, see what these two these two idiots are going to be doing. <laughs> right. Oh my god, did so, they just really do that? They put so much work into it. Somebody's got to listen to them. Yeah. I'll I'll take that bullet. That's it. Yeah. If I maybe if I listen to it, it means, you know, that maybe they'll stop. Maybe <laughs> right. that's what they're doing. Well, thank you very much, dear <laughs> listeners, for uh for allowing us to continue on. <laughs> yeah, thank you for caring. Uh well anyway, today is a mini episode. So tell people what our episode today is going to be about. Yes, today we're gonna to see if we all float down here because we're gonna be doing our top five favorite Stephen King movies. Yeah, which is actually it was a little bit harder of a list to put together than I thought. A, a, a few real standouts for me, but there's a lot of movies that have been made based on Stephen oh, King properties. Christ, yeah, it's just well I, I watched the new one uh, that's on Netflix now, uh, Gerald's game as well, which I really enjoyed. Didn't yeah, I want to watch but that. It's just as to keep and there's Every time you go on, I'm, I'm doing looking at the news and things, movie news and TV news. There's a new Stephen King thing being developed. Yeah. He's done so much, so many. It's just in, the amount of stuff he's put out and the amount of things which are getting turned into films is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just, crazy. And you know, I know for for like seemingly decades, it was kind of like, oh, Stephen King, that means another bad movie because there was so many bad yes, movies. Yeah, yeah. But not as many as you think. Like when there wasn't as long of a stretch. I mean, going into the '80s and through the '90s and even the 2000s, there there definitely are long stretches where there are a series of good films. I was surprised because it's such a cliche to be like, "Oh, a bad Stephen King adaptation," but there's actually a surprising number of, yeah. of good ones. I thought. Yeah, it's just I think yeah, there's there's more good ones than bad ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this was a fun list to put together. Yeah, I must I must admit before we go any further, I I have still yet to see The Dark Tower and the new version of it. So I couldn't. I couldn't consider them. Well, I have yet to see the Dark Tower. Yeah, judging by reviews, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people have seen the Dark Tower. Yeah, based on yeah, its box office. So yeah. Okay, then. So do you want to kick things off, Mike? Yes, I will. My number five is uh, a movie you've already mentioned, actually, and it is It. Oh, excellent. Uh, which I know you haven't seen, so obviously you you know you couldn't put it on your list. But I have to say, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It does have some flaws. It's not a perfect film, um, but I thought it was creepy as all get out. And uh, you know, it it 
having read the novel but a long time ago, so I'm not, you know, I'm not like Hawkeye. I notice all the details, but I thought it, it did a really good job of keeping true to the the spirit of it. And um, mostly I just found it to be really enjoyable. It was a good, creepy, you know, horror flick that was was kind of had a lot of jolts and scares, but just some good genuinely like make your skin crawl moments. I thought all the kids were fantastic. But I do want to single out uh, Sophia Lillis, who played Bev. I think she oh, yeah. is yeah. Amazing. I, I got a real Emma Watson vibe off of her, like, you know, super talented as a younger actress. I think she's like 15, but I think she's going to grow up and really just be a, a very strong actor and maybe even a big box office force. But she was phenomenal. Yeah, lots lots of the lots of the reviews I've read have been going on about her. Yeah, yeah. It, it's nice as well, though, a Stephen King film's been so successful because at, at the time of recording this, uh, just looking according to box office mojo, it's it's made five hundred and fifty five million dollars worldwide. Yeah, definitely the biggest Stephen King yeah. film of all time. Excellent. So that's my number five. How about you? Uh, my number five is Hearts in Atlantis, which stars Anthony Hopkins and the late great Anton Yelchin. It's based on Stephen King's Dark Tower tie and Lone Men and Yellow Coats, and it was just it's a real nice film. It's about uh, this this young boy. Uh, Anthony Elton's character who meets this mysterious older gent who uh, moves in next door to him uh, and the, the lad's got a bit of an unhappy life his mum's a bit of a, a boozer and he, he basically finds this uh, Ted Brodkin who says he's being chased by these these men in black and uh, Anthony Elton just uh, tries to find out the mystery of what's going on and things like that but it's also like another as Stephen King often did so well it's like coming of age story but the film captures everything and gives it this lovely sheen this period sheen about it all I don't want to say too much more about it because it will spoil what happens, but it's a great journey. You got Anthony Hopkins and Anthony Yelchin, both superb. It's 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 worth checking out if you haven't seen it because I I'd read about it, knew it had come out, but didn't think anything of it. Then I think it was on Amazon a while back, and I, I caught it on there, and I really enjoyed it. Right. Well, I have to say that I I have seen a lot of the Stephen King films that have come out. This is one I have missed actually, and I do want yeah, to see yeah. it. So uh, it's not on my list, but I will check it out at some point. Excellent. All right. Well, my number four is a tie. Just two films I really wanted to get on there. One of them would have matched up better with a different film, but that one might appear further up on my list. That's all I'm going to yeah. say for now. Okay. So uh, the two films are Misery, starring James Caan and Kathy Bates, and The Green Mile, starring Tom Hanks and a whole bunch of other people. Um, but just two really good adaptations of, uh, you know, of Stephen King, obviously, but of, of novels of his that don't have much of a supernatural element to them. Yeah. Green Mile obviously has a little bit of supernatural, but it's not really a horror story so much. It's more of, you know, a prison story. It has some horrific elements. Um, and Misery, of course, is a horror story, but it's set in real uh, realism and reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I really like both of them very much. I, I think that Green Mile gets better with every viewing. And Misery is just so, it's just so classic that, you know, Kathy Bates is so terrific oh, in that film yeah. and there's that scene oh, the <laughs> yeah oh, good so God, yeah. uh it's just both both really good adaptations of well i've read misery which was a great book i haven't read the green mile but they're, they're both really really top notch both excellent picks they didn't make my list but they're both brilliant films yeah okay my number four is the mist uh based on his short story the mist uh directed by frank darabont and starring thomas jane marcia gay harden sam whitworth toby jones andre brower uh, who's brilliant in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But yeah, The Mist, I, I just really enjoyed this. Well, enjoy is probably the wrong word, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I thought it was a great adaptation and also it changed the ending from the novella. But uh, I, I think that ending is such a gut punch, but it just fits so well with the film. And Thomas Jane, I always, I, I've got a soft spot for Thomas Jane. He's, he's been in some lousy films, but I, I always really like him. I always think he's got this, this, this good, like kind of every man kind of quality to him. 
Uh, but I really like the whole thing as well. The ensemble they have when they're in the uh, in the in the store, what's and the the creature effects are really good, and it's it's just it was creepy, dark, and stays with you for a long, long time because you feel like you've been punched in the gut at the end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, so much in fact that it's my number three film. Hey, excellent! Yeah, I uh, love this movie. It's you know I love monster movies, and this is one of the best monster movies. But it's also about the monsters, uh, the other monsters being the the humans. You know, yeah, they're and, the worst, and, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. how they react. I, I will say it took me a long time to come around to the ending of this film. Yeah, uh, for many years I loved this movie but hated the ending. I have come around to the, on it. it. It's still a very hard ending to watch. Yeah, um, but I I don't hate it anymore. I I do think. It was a bold ending. Still wish it maybe had gone a different direction. I don't think I'll ever yeah, yeah, be like, yeah. yay, this was the best choice ever, but at least I can respect it. It is just a fantastic monster film with an allegory built in, and I I love that. Yeah, I, I remember because I knew I'd seen the film and knew what happened, but then I had some friends around and I put it on and we were watching it. And as it got closer and closer to the end, one of them kept going, yeah, they're not going to do what I think they're going to do. No, <laughs> it's, it's, he's not going to do it. No, no. And then it happens, and then the two of them just going, they just had their hands on their heads, just right. going, oh, my God, yeah. oh, my God. Why did you show us this? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Maybe you enjoyed not, it, but oh, my God. It's not really the kind of movie I, I think of as like a throwing it on. Well, the first 90% of it is. It's just the last yeah, 10% yeah. that isn't. So I, I can yeah, kind of I can yeah. understand that. Yeah, but it was uh, good times, good times. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number three is Stand By Me, directed by Rob Reiner, uh, based on his... King's novella, The Body. God, he's done so many and such a wide range of things yeah. as well. It's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And as we know, it's about a group of kids going off to find uh, a dead body. Yep. But it's all, it's more than that. It's about, you know, their interactions. And you've got the pie-eating story. We've got the bit in the junkyard on the, the classic bit where on the train track's got to run. Uh, the, the characters are just so well-defined in the, fil- in the film. They just, they just in, in such a short amount of time, you know these four kids... And you know kids like that at the time, and you just it just gives you this sense of nostalgia. Even even growing up in the UK, you got the sense of nostalgia for these, you know, they're going off walking in places I'd never walked and but it's just it's just it's just a beautiful film. Classic. It's a classic. Um and it's also my number two. <laughs> so hey. We are definitely on the same path here. Um yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with everything you said, obviously, so I won't expound too much, but I will say it is it is a, a film about friendship, and I think it's a film about the kind of friendship you can only have when you're a kid and um I love that. I just think it is like you said it's it's a beautiful movie. It's filled with, you know, real emotion, real humor, good, you know, action of a sort and uh it just captures a time in your life that you can you can really never get back. So watching that movie is is I always think is a pretty uh, it's a pretty special experience, even no matter how many times you've seen it. It, it definitely always affects you in different ways. So it's yeah, a classic, yeah. and it's my number yeah. two. Brilliant. My number two is uh, it's a double whammy. It is The Dead Zone and The Shining. Very good. Because I like them both. And uh, So The Dead Zone was back in 1983, directed by David Cronenberg, and stars Christopher Walken, Brooke Adams, Tom Skerritt, uh, Martin Sheen. And it's uh, they made the TV show as well. But uh, this one, it's the guy who uh, he's in... He's in an accident and, he, and he's in a coma for a while and he wakes up and then when he, he's in contact with people, he sort of sees their future. Uh, and it obviously drives him a little bit mad, but then he's, he's, he uses it to help track down a serial killer, but then he shakes hand with a, a politician played by Martin Sheen and sees the future. 
uh, Christopher Walken is playing well he's playing like a normal guy who just suddenly has these these brilliant yet terrifying well it's a blessing and a curse this ability to see people what's going to happen to them it's usually bad things that they see it's like the secrets that they have it's often what's shown to him but it's just Christopher Walken does it so well you've always because Christopher Walken you just he's a bit weird anyway right it, it's just great how it shows because the, these these visions he has as well because he's often within the vision when he's seeing it and and then when the big vision, which sort of drives the main thrust of the story and what he's, he realises what he's got to do and you're going, oh my God, poor guy. It's just it's just great. And, and Martin Sheen is brilliant as this guy you can't help but like. But then he's an absolute horrible guy, terror rag as well. And then we have The Shining, which, well, we know The Shining. Stanley Kubrick directed it. Uh, and it's Jack Nicholson going crazy in the Overlook Hotel. There you go. A... What more do we need to say about The Shining? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, very good. Neither of those made my list, actually. Uh, I Believe it or not, I've never gotten around to seeing The Dead Zone, even though I've always wanted to, and I do love yeah. the book uh, that it's based on. And um, The Shining, I like. I like. It's it's That's it. It's Jack Nicholson, which we all know I'm not a huge fan. And and obviously, he's still, he's great in this performance, so I, I don't blame him entirely, but it's just it's not a movie that I love. I've seen it, I think, twice, and that's probably you know good enough yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my number one is... Well, I, th- I think we might have the same I'm number gonna one. I'm going to guess that we do. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, when you look at the list, really, there is one film that stands out above all the others, and it clearly yeah. is Pet Cemetery. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, actually, Pet Cemetery no, Two. Pet, yeah, yeah I'm gonna say that. <laughs> it, re- realistically, the number one, of course, is the Shawshank Redemption. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, of course. I mean, really, when you look at the body of work from Stephen King, obviously, there's a lot of great films, but Shawshank really is one of those transcendent movies. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So obviously it was going to be my number one because it's not just my favorite Stephen King movie, but one of my favorite films ever. So it's yeah. it was an obvious choice. Yeah, it's just every it it took the short story uh, and it just it just expanded on it so well. Another Frank Darabont one, uh, Tim Robbins, uh, Morgan Freeman, and the, such a great ensemble cast as well. And it just I just like the the fact that it gives you it you get you know it's it covers years of time. And you you have all these lots of little stories about the different characters and things like that. You feel for all these characters. I mean, most of them are in prison for doing bad or terrible things, apart from Andy Dufresne. Right. But uh, uh, you but you feel for them and you relate to them and and the guard. You know, Clancy Brown as the the twist as the guard and just yeah. But just it was so well made and it was so sad they didn't get an Oscar. I know. Get recognised for what it, uh, it did. Yeah, it's definitely a film that's been appreciated more, you know, yeah. as time went on than it was at the time it was released. Yeah. Well, good good pick for number one, Phil. Yeah, I think it'd be many people's number one if I they do a list of so. Stephen King. But if you disagree, get in touch, drop us a line, email us, or get in touch on Twitter. Yep. And let us know what your favorite Stephen King films are or or why we are incorrect. That's right. You can find all our contact info and our snail mail address on the uh, show notes for each episode, uh, and those are pretty easy to find. Yeah, whatever podcast thing you listen on, they'll be there. Yes, we look forward to hearing from you. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this mini episode, short and sweet. That's how we like them when they're mini episodes. Otherwise, we couldn't call them mini episodes. We'd have to call them (laughs) episodes. Or medium episodes. Right, right, exactly. Um, But we will be back next week with another episode for you. Uh, Until that time, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. Or or mini episode 21. 21. I believe. Yes. I believe in the power of the mini episodes. Yes, they go quite well. Strong follow-up. Yeah, film. I was just sorry. I was, uh, I was just I was just reading up on something. I'd forgotten something about one of the films I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, seriously. I'd watch Melancholia like 10 more times before I watched that.
And Siri thinks I just said her name. I thought. Oh, because I said seriously. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's funny. Very good. Siri, quit trying to hijack my podcast. <laughs> I cannot do that, Dave. Sorry, Ava. I can't remove music from your library. Okay. She thinks I'm Ava, by the way. <laughs> she thinks I'm my dog. It is that, you know, high pitched feminine voice of yours. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, neither. I tried to share my calendar with you today, um, but there's no, it doesn't seem to be a way to do no, that. I, didn't see I was it. hoping I could just share the, like share it with you, you know, like a. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If I, if I keep sh- saying the word share, apparently you, that'll help you understand what so, I mean. So what you're it. trying to say is there's be some <laughs> ability to like, enable me to see this thing. Right. Hmm. Yes, yes, wow. exactly. Try sharing it. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Phil. And we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot to say my name. <laughs>